Today on this bonus episode of Indivisible Westchester, the podcast, County Executive George Latimer gives us an exclusive announcement about the 2020 budget. All right, so we're joined today by George Latimer, the County Executive here in Westchester. George, thanks so much for joining us. Shannon, great to be with you. I understand that you have some exclusive news that you want to let us know right here on the IW podcast. Well, we're uh, right now in the process of uh, finalizing the fiscal year 2020 budget for Westchester County. We operate on a calendar year fiscal year. And uh, while we're going to have the full budget uh, announced in um, on the 8th of November for the Board of Legislators review, we will be submitting a budget to them that will actually cut property taxes by a little bit. And that'll be the first time in 10 years that a, that a budget has been cut. And if I can be slightly partisan here, shockingly, it's Democrats that are actually cutting taxes. But we're going to be able to do it, Shannon, without having to decimate any of the departments. Uh, we're going to do it with a very robust capital project plan that we gave them. We've made commitments and we're following through to increase our reserve fund uh, by another $10 million in this budget, which will get us up over 20% increase from where we were when we inherited uh, the reserve fund. And that's going to be critical when we go before uh, the bond rating agencies. You know, they're going to take time. They're going to want to see progress over multiple years, but we think it'll get our bond rating back up. That's part of our plan. Right, because we- it dipped. If you'll just it, explain it, it dropped. Right, it was, what happened there. We've had a traditional AAA bond rating in Westchester County, which is impressive, but it's not really that unusual in these parts. You know, many of the local governments have AAAs as well. Bronxville, Rye, I think Larchmont Village does. But the county had it, and we lost it. And we lost it because a lot of the uh, fiscal practices uh, were short-sighted. They were totally driven around, I don't want to raise taxes but I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to do it totally by cutting expenditures, one-shots, borrowing for uh, ongoing expenses, all of which are bad fiscal practices. The Astorino way. Right. So here we are as a democratic, progressive administration. We're the administration that, you know, uh, signed the Immigrant Protection Act. We're the administration that banned the gun show. We're also the administration that is offering a tax cut. We're the administration that's going to stop borrowing for operating expenditures. We're the administration that's going to walk away from one-shot financing, at least in the short, you know, next couple of years. Uh, And we did all of that because we didn't raise the property taxes, but we did get sales tax uh, equalization around the county. And that was the responsible way to run the budget. And that was part of what we said two years ago. It's part of uh, you know, our commitment to people, that we would be intelligent and responsible in government. And anytime you want to see an alternate of that, just go watch what, you know, is happening in Washington, D.C. George, I was at one of the budget hearings, and one of the things that uh, stood out to me was that the nonprofits have really been hit hard, were really hit hard during the yes, Astorino yep. years. I know you increased their budget for the first time, I think, in eight years during the last budget process. Where do they stand in this budget that you're releasing? Well, they have another increase coming. Uh, We we haven't finalized what percentage it'll be. It'll be greater than last year's, uh, 2%. They've asked for 10%. And I think, uh, you know, whatever we come at, the Board of Legislators will get a bite of the apple as well. So by the time we get to the end of the budget cycle, uh, I think the number will be defensible. And in in terms of the value of what they do, it is clear to us that the not-for-profit organizations are an essential part of delivering services. And very simply, it's in the same way that we contract with private sector entities. We will go out to bid for a construction company to repave the the runway at the airport. Why? Because we don't have that internal ability within the county government with our people. So we go to a professional private sector company who knows how to handle that kind of a project. Well, we turn to my sister's place to... 
uh, Hope's Door, to uh, organizations uh, uh, like the Child Care Council. We turn to um, housing groups like Housing Action Council and others to provide not-for-profit services that we don't have sufficient expertise or manpower, person power, to do it internally. So raising the percentage of resources to the not-for-profits is not just oh, you know, your liberal social planning, this is to deliver the services that are necessary. And if we have, as, as the most obvious example of the ones I gave, if we have a method by which working moms can be sure that they have slots for childcare, then they're more able to go out and be productive in the society. And when you're productive and you earn money, you pay taxes, which helps run the government. It's, it's a virtuous cycle rather than a vicious cycle. So we don't have the hard number yet as to where we're going to be. It's going to be an increase. I think at the end of the day, it'll be an increase that the not-for-profits are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it happens again at the same time that we're doing these other things that are good, responsible budgeting. So it's going to be very very hard for the folks on the other side of the great philosophical divide to to pin us down in a certain way. We're balancing certain conservative principles in budgeting and finance with progressive principles in terms of policy, and that's what I think people voted for in 17 and in 18, and I think what they'll vote for in 19. They want to see progress, mm-hmm. but they also want to see it done responsibly. They want to see fiscal responsibility yeah. is very important. Was there any particular place where you found specific savings that stand out to you? Well, a couple of things matter. <clears throat> First of all, uh, we found that in the renegotiation of various contracts, we could come up with uh, better deals than had been negotiated previously. I'll give you two examples. The uh, The bus contract by which we have a public-private partnership, Liberty Lines, that uh, runs the bus system with Westchester County, uh, there was a movement just before I came into office, uh, but after the election, to just extend it for five years as is. Now, you might say, well, okay, I guess that's a good deal. You know, it's We've been running under that that deal. It's just extended. It seems to be takes one thing off the table. But we were given indications that the, uh, by members of the board of legislators that there was savings to be had. So we pushed back. We didn't let the prior administration just reauthorize it for five. We took a look at it, and and I'll be candid with you. It's the talent of Joan McDonald as a transportation professional in government, and John Nona as an experienced litigator, you know, partner of major New York City law firms. Uh, who together with their teams were able to renegotiate the contract for five years mm-hmm. and save $20 million over the five-year length. That's not a straight $4 million a year, sort of an escalating amount. Uh, but savings like that, when you renegotiate a contract, is helpful. We just finished renegotiating a contract with Wheelabrator uh, to dispose of our garbage, and the negotiations was able to get a carve-out that will allow us to have uh, food scrap recycling programs that it wouldn't be the county would help in the transport of of that it would be really done by the municipal governments, which saves the amount of money we spend as tipping fees if if everything goes in the garbage waste stream as opposed to some of it being recycled and that's a savings to the county. Um, we've also found Shannon, <clears throat> excuse me. We've also found revenue sources that are not property or sales tax revenue sources that help us out. I'll give you two examples of that. We negotiated with Airbnb. Uh, and John Nona, give him credit, he's the guy who pulled the negotiations off, where Airbnb is paying us each year a certain amount of money in lieu of collection of hotel occupancy taxes mm. for their participating um, members, I guess the people who will let sure. a room in their house go as a uh, as a place for people to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. Previously, we had no revenue coming from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we estimate that this year, I don't know, half a million dollars maybe in its first year, That'll, that number will grow. And then uh, Peter McCart, who's our director of sustainability, sort of our key environmental person, environmental energy portfolio, 
Um, he identified a company called New Energen, which we've signed a contract with, and it is, uh, it is a, a means by which we reduce the amount of energy we pull off the grid during the nights of greatest uh, stress, which is usually mm. the hottest nights of the year. Sure. <clears throat> so we transition off of electric into whatever alternate energy we have uh, that will power a portion of the county government, uh, county buildings. And in so doing, we receive money to do that because the utility doesn't have to buy electricity right. out there, uh, out on the market at a premium price at a time of great need. Mm -hmm. So they save having to do that, and they're prepared to pay us money. I think that's going to be at least a million bucks a year. And it's things like that. Now, a million here, 500000 there, those aren't in a $2, million, $2 billion budget. They aren't decisive numbers. Right. But you add up those kind of decisions. You save some money here. You save some money there. You bring in some revenue here. You bring in some revenue there. That's the kind of good, intelligent management that gets us to the point where we can hold the line on property taxes, cut it a little bit, but at the same time, not cut and slash the people that provide services. One last question. Did you go into this looking to cut the budget or cut property taxes, or was it just an outcome of the work that you did that you were just explaining? Well, I think it was it was pretty pivotal all throughout our effort to get the additional sales tax authority that we were going to have to show that we would not be doing this and then at the same time going out to increase uh, property taxes at the same time. So I made this as a commitment you know, at the time that we were pushing this. And, you know, we sat down and we did some model runs of what the budget would look like with the sales tax revenue. Now, no one really knows what's going to happen to the economy. Are we going to go into some uh, recession over the course of the next year? It's always possible. On the other hand, certain the price of certain items like gas has been going up mm -hmm. and the sales tax on gasoline. So we've actually done better in actual revenue than projected revenue. We were very aggressive when we did last year's budget on the sales tax revenue side, but it's a guess. It's a guess based on economic activity. Right. And you could be wrong. Right. Uh, but the and numbers, I think Astorino did that one year. He, he did. He, That's correct. Yeah, miscalculated that, right. You know, but, but what we did last year in the budget that we submitted that was uh, approved by the Board of Legislators, we had a budget tax, a property tax increase that was under the tax cap, it was 2%. It was under what Rockland and Putnam offered as percentage increases, and those are GOP county executives. So we were very consistent with what was happening around us. And we also, you know, we, we made some decisions to have a placeholder on a couple of different issues, but we thought that we could make the case for the sales tax equity. And upon getting it, we then felt pretty confident that we could freeze property taxes. And now, given some of these other factors, we can lower property tax levy. It won't be a huge number. Mm -hmm. And the average individual, when they look at their ultimate tax bill, they're going to have to add school tax to municipal tax to county tax. Now, because we share back sales tax revenue with the municipal governments, we're giving the Larchmonts and the Rybrooks of the world a fair amount of resources that they might be able to use productively. The schools are a different thing. The schools are a much larger portion of the overall budget, right. and there's a whole argument to be made about how they're funded in Albany that's separate and distinct from what we do. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've done is, uh, is collegial. It makes sense. It makes you know fiscal sense, but it also makes common sense in the way we run the government. And again, that's what we have argued as progressives all of this time, mm -hmm. that there is a rational way to govern, and that government is inclusive. You bring people in of all different types. You have public forums where they can come and express their opinions. You shape public policy around that input, and you put people in positions who are professional at what they do, and you give them some leeway. You don't try to put a political thumb on their head. Mm -hmm. I, I hardly fired any of the commissioners that I inherited from Astorino, and yet 
most of them are functioning very, very well, and we're very proud of it. We've made some changes. We have a new Human Rights Commission team. We have a new Taxi and Limousine Commission team. We have a new head of solid waste. So there have been changes we've made, but by and large, we're proving that you can govern with some of the same talented professionals, but a different philosophy. Right. And that philosophy is what works on the streets of Westchester. So budget, preliminary, coming out, Take a look. Where can people find it if they wanna if they wanna inform budget, themselves? Budget will be online at westchestergov.com. On or about the time we file it, uh, we we expect to have a a public press conference. I guess on Friday the eighth, when we submit it to the board, there'll be a physical handover, symbolic and physical handover with Ben Boykin who chairs the board. It'll be online, I suspect, over that weekend. The the legislature will have uh, three public hearings coming up. They'll be in uh, uh, the Dole Center in Mount Vernon. They'll have one up at Cortland Town Hall, and then they'll have the final one in the Board of Legislators Chambers. That'll be the first week of December. Uh, they're scheduled to uh, finalize their votes on Monday, December 9th, mm-hmm. which will include both the capital budget, which has already been submitted and is already online. Mm-hmm. That was submitted in the middle of October. And then also the district budgets, which would be the sewer districts and the refuse district. It's, you know, you're deep in the weeds on government, but we hold philosophical beliefs. And at the same time, we implement them in the real world of, uh, of governments and structures. So for the person who wants to drill down to the specifics, it'll be online. There'll be an opportunity to express their opinions about it. And, and while all of that is happening, I'm still doing coffees and conversations with various county legislators. And you're still here. And I'm here. <laughs> and uh, right, I talk to the East Chester Rotary Club, and I talk to the Katona Women's right. Club, whatever, wherever it is. You know. Right. Great. Thank you for sharing that news with us, George, and um, best of luck with the rest of the budget process. We're going to work hard on it, Shannon, and hopefully uh, the people in Westchester will be pleased that we did the right thing. We continue our conversation with George Latimer on our next episode of Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to keep on resisting.